Uh, one sec, I gotta go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And now, a dramatic description of Jumbo Cables going pee-pee in the potty. He's probably walking. He's probably at the door. He's probably opening the door. Now, he closes the door after he walks in. Is the toilet seat up, or is it down? We'll say he has to put it up. Now he's undoing his belt. Uh, now he's unzipping his pants and unbuttoning the top. Why does he unzip first before unbuttoning the top? That's weird, but he that's what he did. Now he's pulled his cock out. Now he's aiming. And now, sweet release into the bowl. And wait. And now the shake. Shake, shake. And done. And he puts it back into his underwear. I forgot to say he took it out of his underwear. Who knows? Maybe he dropped it all to around his ankles. I don't know. Probably not. But everything's probably back inside now. He's probably belting his buckle or buckling his belt I should rather say now he goes for the water gotta wet his hands and then grab the soap is it hand soap or is it a bar soap I don't know we'll say it's a bar and now he lathers and now he lathers under the running water Got to get all the soap off. And then... Now... And then... Ugh. And then dries his hands and it comes back down the hallway and then sits down and says, Ugh. <laughs> Jesus. Thought I was the only one who talked while the other co-hosts were gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just took a Tom Hanks level piss. Yeah. I gave an appropriate pause length, so I kind of judged it. I, I gave a dramatic reading. Of, of your pee trip. Oh, neat. I was a little too slow. I thought you were finishing up washing your hands, and then you sat down. Yeah. Eh, that's the way it goes. Um, what the fuck was I talking about before I had to go? Welcome to another episode of the Old Taku Connection, and things are looking up. Yeah, I know the past couple of weeks, maybe in the past couple of months, have just been all doom and gloom or anger, and it's like that searing hot sun beating down on you in the, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the heat of summer, whatever. Whereas now I'm back to my preferred state, uh... Nice little breezy, overcasty day. I, I like cold weather. So, so what? Yeah. The heat depresses me, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah. 
There's a reason to be upbeat and positive, and I've been as close to upbeat and positive as someone like me gets, and it's nice. It's nice. Really, the only, um, I don't know, sunspot, uh, heat wave, and my uh, peacefully overcast day is, uh, well, you ever encounter someone so repulsive that it makes you want to hate not just them, but, like, everybody like them? Yeah. I, uh, the really bad part is it wasn't even me this person was antagonizing. It was, uh, someone I knew just having to deal with this person, and they, they, they repulsed and just disgusted. Ugh, God. But the point is, is it made me really want to just start ragging on her occupation. Her occupation being like an interior decorator, interior designer, something like that. But rather than that, I'm on something of a spiritual journey. I want to do the opposite. I want to pursue this positivity I'm feeling right now, and instead find reason to like this occupation that this uh, vile woman unfortunately has. So, decided maybe I'll make a test out of it. Um, I think I've got an, a Gmail, old Taku connection, or the old Taku connection. I'll confirm it for you at the end of this episode. But you know, there's also my Twitter at old Taku Connect and uh, Hey Listen Radio accounts on Facebook, Twitter, um, and oh yeah, our comment section on SoundCloud. Yeah, so. Hit me up, let me know, tell me something good about interior design and or decoration. I'll be happy to hear from you. Anyhow, let's get to the podcast before I start running out of music. It's a sword for truth, and we've got something interesting for you. I can say that with utmost confidence, so uh, please enjoy. So... I'm probably going to give this anime a bit more of a, I don't know what the words I'm looking for is on account of there's alcohol in my system, but like a an honest and more thought out look than most people give it. Because this anime, uh, Mike, whether you realize it or not, is by and large reviled. Why? Um, well, by it's, who? Well, l- let me tell you. Uh, so you know the uh, problem we've run into with a lot of OVAs as of late, right? Not as of late, but just in general, as like a rule, is that um, they're usually promotional material for a longer-running franchise of some sort. Right. Usually mangas, though in a lot of cases uh, novels, and with the 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 issue, the revilement by and large, as far as I know at least, comes from Western anime fans. And this is because the subject matter of the anime which comes here is based on uh, has not and more than likely will not, due to obscurity, come to the States. So we're just left with a lot of hanging questions and people are usually pissed off. That happens quite a bit with OVAs. And maybe this is the most extreme case of that. Wait, so there's an anime of this? There's, well, we watched the anime. There's not a manga. It's a, there was a series of novels, and apparently the events depicted in this anime reflect the first four. Uh, the novels, I think, are called Shirenosuke Zameken. 
or the demon slaying sword of Shiranosuke. Mm. Yeah, it's a series of novels that I guess were big at a point in Japan. But I don't know if they ended or just didn't take off or what, but um, yeah, this 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 uh, OVA, this this anime, this whatever. More than maybe any other OVA or anime we've watched so far, it kind of like epitomizes the issue a lot of uh, English-speaking fans have with anime, or just not Japanese fans, where we get this first thing that creates a lot of dangling plot threads that are just, just begging to be resolved and just don't ever. Huh. So why don't people like it? I think that's that's exactly it. They create a lot of questions that they never answer, and it's just a bunch like of shit what? going on. Um, there's more if you watch the sub than the dub, but let me see if I can I base this the on sub. the dub. Um, well, in the case of the sub, like the uh, fighting styles of the two crazy super killers, like. Uh, Shiranosuke uses something called Mushin Ryu. Uh, Mushin Ryu amounts to, like, style of emptiness or nothingness. Uh, which is weird, because in the sub he just says, I have no master, I serve no god. Or, no, I got that backwards. I serve no master, I know no god. Um, you never get an explanation for that, but he clearly has a distinctive style that no one can really... Uh, counter for lack of a better word same thing with the uh big muscly guy who might be a foreigner uses a kamui style martial arts kamui is like another word for deity Mm -hmm. um or like near the end of the story where the princess falls over sick and we never know what it is she's sick with or oh yeah that's right Um, that was the one thing that i was kind of like well, what happens there? Why did that happen? Or like the big burning muscly guy who's like, yeah, the the killing of the giant white tiger is a sign. One of the gods, bloody blahs has died, and this will be a trial by fire. It's like, what the fuck is that guy even? Oh yeah, that thing. I forgot about that part. And and also, <laughs> since you watch the sub, the lesbian sex. Which is like, Mio, you have to go get that sword. Okay, I love you because you put opium in my gooch. Um, that never goes anywhere either. Wait, I thought the girl that she sent was one of the red ninjas. Uh, possibly. That would make sense, but we get no indication one way or the other. Oh. I, I mean, that's, that's possibly it, but uh, mm. seems like a pretty pronounced scene for a character who possibly just dies namelessly for no point. Well, I assume she got away with the sword. Oh, you think she was the chick that ran away after Mr. Dogon the Invincible bit it trying to chase after her? Yeah. Eh, that's that's possibly the case. Did he die? No, he didn't die. He just fell over like a stupid ass. That's what I thought. That tiger was really giant. That tiger was giant, and that thing was a killing machine. It was as big God as damn. an entire Japanese roof. <laughs> it was just a murder monster. It killed everything. 
it bit a horse's head off. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I think I've... This is probably, out of anything I've watched, has the most decapitations. Yeah, really. It just throws decapitations out there, like... But know. sometimes there's no... There's not even blood. Yeah, some of it's weird, like Dogon pushing the swords out of his body and then breaking them. There's, like, no blood there, and then there's, like... Yeah. Like, the first corpse you see has no head and no arm, and there's no blood where the yeah. stump should be. but it was walking around. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be, like, a chicken with its head cut off type thing. However, I also think that was just, like, bad animation or a lack of somebody, like, establishing continuity. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. Mm. That, that tiger, goddamn, that thing was scary as shit. I mean, if that, that naked, fiery Buddhist guy is, like, indicating that the tiger was a demigod, I might actually believe it due to the sheer number of shit he killed. And some of the other shit he did, like getting hit with like a trident and like no selling it and dodging bullets and killing like 50 dudes. Yeah. Unfortunately, that tiger falls to the trope that everyone, short of the big muscly guy in this anime, falls to, which is Shiranosuke kills everything immediately. Shura Nosuke. Yeah, yeah, Shura Nosuke, sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry, you, maybe you're the weeaboo <laughs> of this episode. Uh, yeah, you just kept saying it, so I had to look it up and see how it was spelled. Yeah, uh, Shura Nosuke. Yeah, it's Shura Nosuke. Um, I watched the dub at random bits, so it kind of stuck. <laughs> Is that how they say it in the dub? Yeah, they say Shirenosuke. That's really funny. <laughs> um, Wait, you know what? That makes sense. Like, Shura, I'm pretty sure, is some sort of, like, deity, or Ashura is, like, a deity of, like, death or some shit. Yeah. So that's probably by design. Yeah. And he is he's a fucking murder machine himself. Yes, he is. Good Christ. Yeah, we never find out what those scythes mean either. Yeah, the apparently they're like a bad omen or bad luck or something. Yeah. No one wants to wear that shit, which is why he's so easy to find. Yeah, I guess there were a lot of... It, for me, it wasn't really unanswered questions. There were a few, like now that I think about the fiery guy and then the girl falling over sick. But I feel like... As far as, it, I feel like there was world setting up, like mm-hmm. you know, certain people, villains don't die and stuff. But yeah, like Dogon doesn't die. Um, Dogen. Uh, I also um, feel like muscly the, guy. Maruji. I feel like satisfied with the ending actually. Really? Yeah, I like that. Like it felt like they were. There's like the the jujitsu guy or whatever the fuck. Yeah, Maruji. Um, Yeah, I do actually like that scene where he meets with uh, Shirinosuke. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of fucked up and we need to die. Yeah, he meets that guy and then he 
they fight. I kind of like that it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like you, I never really get in any like media two people fighting and it like feels dramatic. Mm-hmm. But you always get a sense of like who is gonna move on from this encounter. Yeah. And when that happened, I was kind of like, oh, well, these are both new characters. I don't know who's gonna. Mm-hmm. And there's not like even if you're watching a movie, it's like okay, one of these is a name or actor. Who mm-hmm. I know, the other one's like not. So I can probably I know who's gonna survive, but that's a good point. It's an interesting dynamic to see mm-hmm. that happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also thought it was they gave it enough time, and it was an interesting setup to have that scene at the end where they cross paths mm-hmm. and kind of recognize each other's lives. Uh, well, specifically that that they each smell of blood, which yeah, people saying that makes me wonder. Does blood actually have a smell, or is this just like a warrior's sixth sense type thing? I feel like that's a Japanese thing. I feel like I've heard that so many times in mm-hmm. like Japanese media, all the time. Mm-hmm. You smell of blood. Yeah. It's funny if you watch the dub uh, when the guy says that. Uh, it sounds like he's fishing for a compliment when he's like, "I probably smell of it too, but I wouldn't know." That's funny. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I kind of like that they ended on that, where that he's like, I guess we'll, we're looking for a place, a to, place die. to die. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, you get a sense of this was. Of what they are. Yeah, it's very much, uh, <laughs> and I've talked about this before, like the diegetic narratives. Mm-hmm. Where, you have a, a protagonist who sort of moves through a situation and then kind of comes out on the end and everyone around him has their lives and situations are all resolved the mm-hmm. conflict in them is resolved or they go back to normal or whatever it's changed mm-hmm. but for them they kind of go back to doing the exact same thing mm-hmm. it's kind of I thought this was like a perfect way to set that up for him mm-hmm. to just wander into his next adventure yeah I feel kind of like if you you're if you're ready for what kind of story this is going to be, it won't bother you anywhere near as much because amongst the people complaining about this anime, there were a handful of people who were like, you know, I actually like this, and I think they were the ones who didn't have like expectations for a fully self-contained type story. Um, and I kind of developed more of an appreciation for this watching the sub, because when I first saw this, I always saw it dubbed, and the dub's a bit weird in that it tries to hide some of the unresolved plot threads. Like, it dances around the fact that the two killing machines have unique styles of fighting that no one knows anything about, let alone how to counter them. Um, they... (laughs) They fucking element up. <laughs> so, you know how that uh, chick in... One of the chicks in the lesbian sex... I think her name is, like, Mio. She's, like, told to go get the dagger and do some shit. Yeah. In the dub, they... Refer to her as the same name as the princess. <laughs> that what's-his-name-is-trying-to-sleep. 
What the fuck? <laughs> Why? Um, I think they were trying to like compress some shit and make sense out of things, but uh, <laughs> it just seems weird and stupid that she's so like wistful and asking. Uh, Sure knows K uh, love can bloom on the battlefield when it's like <laughs> you just got finished fucking that woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you just got finished having like opium lesbo sex. I think you <laughs> I think you got a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was someone there's... else. Do you agree with uh, what he says? That it's uh, fleeting and maybe not belonging to this world. That it's like the morning dew. Yeah. Uh, well, the spiritual aspect of me kind of like buys into it, but uh, I don't know. I kind of figured they'd make a character like this poetic on top of everything else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I... I guess that's cool. Makes me think about that scene from Way of the Samurai. When, uh, Don's trying to write a poem for What's-Her-Name. Oh, yeah. And, like, one of the options is an omelet with rice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's the, the question again? I can't remember. It's, like, on the something something. And I think the correct in quote answers you're supposed to give is a never-ending love that's right but i'd always give him an omelet with rice (laughs) (laughs) i love that game so much that game is amazing yeah it's so charming do you think this was charming um not so much charming but like definitely like reveling in the specific aesthetic that yeah. some like samurai fanboys would just eat up. Yeah, definitely. Like uh one of the things I kind of thought about is uh it's weird to jump from this to Frank Miller, but uh when uh, Sin City, not when it first came out, but when the uh big the uh special edition DVD came out. One of the things that stood out to me is that when he's talking about the uh, either Miho or that crazy cannibalism guy played by uh, what was the name of the guy that played Frodo? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Elijah Wood. Yeah, Elijah Wood. Sorry, the alcohol's messing with me. Um, Yeah, Frank Miller describes both those characters as demons in the Japanese sense. And never really elaborates on what demon in the Japanese sense is. Um... But they're kind of like humans, but displaying the capacity for murder that is like beyond human limitations. And I feel like Shirenosuke falls into that category. Shirenosuke. Shirenosuke. I I, I did it again. Shirenosuke. Shirenosuke and Maruji, specifically. Which which two characters was Uh, he talking about? Miho, the samurai chick, and I think his name was Kevin. The wolf guy. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of, I guess I get that. They're very, 
they're elemental. Mm-hmm. They just kind of do. Yeah. Like, they might be avatars of the Reaper. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, they mean, don't have personalities. They are one thing. Yeah. They are an element. Yeah, a, a human element. Uh, yeah. Shirinosuke and um, Maruji feel kind of like that. I think in the dub, Maruji actually says, I exist to destroy the lives of others. <laughs> Very on the nose, but I guess it serves its point. Mm. Yeah, uh, I feel kind of like there's there's something to that that the Japanese will probably get better than I can without explanation. But I can I can almost feel an archetype there that I don't quite have the ability to grasp fully. Uh, there's a lot of stories like this, and I don't know if this is like the progenitor of things. Well, I know it. it um, there's a connection between it and another anime called Wrath of the Ninja, which is a very similar plot line. But uh, the big daddy of them all, the one even mainstream anime fans will have some familiarity of it, depending upon how old they are, is uh, Ninja Scroll. Yeah. And this follows a very similar plot line, or very similar formula, I should say, in that you have like a pulp noir type protagonist having to fend off a squad of empowered ninjas, or kind of like what Snake has to deal with in every game. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of not strange, but it was like I felt like he dealt with like way more like they didn't they didn't build up like yeah they didn't build up his antagonist yeah, they would yeah, just show up and die yeah going back to like the the Metal Gear reference you mm-hmm. always get to know them beforehand like this is a list of all the people that are going to stand in your way but this they just sort of showed up yeah they show up and kill and get killed before you can even finish talking about them like that would actually happen when i made my first set of notes where i'd be like typing in stuff about them and before i could finish they would just die yeah especially that guy the the water monster that just kind of exploded. Oh god, that was the worst one where it's like, okay, you've got a pretty good strategy throwing the harpoon up from underwater and pulling people in and then when you get to like your final boss what do you do? You jump out of the water and come at him on his terms. You dingus. Yeah, it looked like he... I didn't even see him cut him. It just looked like he exploded randomly. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> yeah. It's like, I guess one negative I can... Well, one of many negatives I can attach to this anime is that there's like... There's no real struggle at any point. And maybe this is supposed to be early enough in the story that uh, Shirinosuke is supposed to just be this like death machine and you gotta keep that going but uh doesn't create a whole lot of tension 
When you know he's going to win the moment he swings his sword once. Yeah. He's like one punch man. Pretty much. Sans the humor. Yeah. Do you like him as a character? Uh, I don't feel like we get to know him enough as a character. He's kind of uh, weird as a character based on some of the uh, research I did. Um, I gotta thank Anime World Order, which is another anime podcast, for giving me a tip on this and that they uh, suggested that he was very much inspired by another character associated with historical fiction called uh, Nimari Kyoshiro who like uh, Shirinosuke has a distinctive and feared style of uh, swordsmanship that no one can really uh, counter mm. um, Nimari Kyoshiro is kind of weird he's Related to a specific time period that this anime is also attached to. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. My brain is blanking on me. Uh, not Both a time period and an event. Um, I can't remember what the name of the event was. It was in my old notes. Um, trying to look up the... I should put this. Uh, this anime is tied very much tied to and inspired by a specific event in Japanese history. Oh yeah, they they love to talk about Nobunaga. And they mention him in the intro and then he's like never mentioned again. Yeah. I think he's history at this point, but uh I suppose he factors in. I guess we'll talk about the uh actual historical figure associated with it. In uh, Japanese history, I want to say this was in the time of the Tokugawa Shogunate. This is where I got to, like, pull up my pants, stick out my teeth, and do a whole lot of mouth breathing, breathing and go full nerd and partial weeaboo. Uh, there was a uh, historical figure called Amakusa Shiro. Oh, here we go. Shima, the Shimabara Rebellion. Uh, this is a period in Japanese history that like that the Japanese like to use in fiction and that kind of like uh, the US likes to use World War 2 because you have this like larger than life element at the center of it and in the case of World War 2 the larger than life element is the Nazi regime which is as close as we get to like a real life supervillain army yeah um, in this case, in the case of the Shimabara Rebellion, it's uh, a very large presence of Catholicism in Japan due to uh, Portuguese traders. Oh yeah, they mentioned something about Christians. Well, part of it is they, they talk about some weird-ass cult, mm. but uh, every time they talk about those elements, there's always like a big-ass crucifix somewhere. I'm like, anime, you are not slick. I know what you're <laughs> trying to do. I used to be Catholic. Like, if I were more sensitive, this would actually piss me off a little. But Yeah, whatever. that shit went right over my head. I, I, now that you say it, I remember the burning crosses, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't, but, wasn't connecting the dots in my head. But uh, in the case of the Shimabara Rebellion, 
it was some part of Japan that was like being overworked, overtaxed, and not seeing any sort of benefits. So the the people, all the uh, what would be considered the peasant class, alongside a lot of Ronin, kind of banded together and stood against like the shogunate presence in these areas. And at the head of this uh, rebellion was a guy named Amakusa Shiro who I think was like a teenager. He was like a 16-year-old. He was Catholic, and apparently he had MLK-style charisma because he had like a whole army behind him. The Japanese really like to tell stories centering around this because of that larger-than-life element. Uh, and that's... <laughs> I'm that's, curious it's a... why you said MLK. Well, well, he's he's got that sort of like crazy leadership to him i could say anyone else and it would have this would should have the same yeah. effect but you know he was a very sort of like caring and endearing sort of presence to people because when i think of mlk the first thing that pops in my head is uh, civil disobedience well yeah but it was peaceful yeah and that's the thing this guy he was uh, uh um amakuza was uh seen by his followers as like a messenger of god he was uh you know he had like i think they they called him heaven's messenger and attributed miraculous power to him mm. um you know just just a very peaceful presence um granted some of the people who worked under him were not so peaceful but uh yeah mlk is kind of who i default to if the person's not evil and it seems like if you look at this historically, uh, Shiro wasn't actually evil, though a lot of these animes try to depict him as such. Um, and there's a lot of that in this anime, outside of like the uh, blatant like crucifixes and shit, and yeah. some of the like weird spiritual elements are associated with this. Yeah. Um, that's also, however, tied to another piece of like historical fiction that is big part of Japanese culture but is not especially known unless you look into it a uh, story called uh, Makai Tensho which involves some like crazy evil mystic reviving a bunch of uh, folk heroes for lack of a better term uh, among them being Amakusa Shiro also uh Miyamoto Musashi and blah 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 a bunch of other people and they fight Jubei Yagyu who's also a I believe a folk hero in the Japanese uh, pantheon of something or other uh, Japanese yeah. history yeah and yeah Makai Tensho's de uh, and a clear inspiration on the story um I don't I know where I was going with this, but I don't remember the words exactly. Uh, I, I feel like if you have some familiarity with this, this anime makes a lot more sense. In that, uh, yeah, you have... Basically, you have this sort of spiritual element working in the background of all of this weird political intrigue and ninja clans working against each other to collect these swords associated with specific uh, families apparently i don't know if it was a plot of makai 
potential or just a plot within the novels that this anime was based on. But apparently the uh, Ganryu sword, which is actually a fucking dagger in this anime, and another sword when brought together would reveal some greater truth within the world that would grant whoever knew it some aspect of power. Yeah, they don't, but they don't really explain all that in here. Yeah, they they never said that at all. I was like, yep. oh, well, well, they want a dagger. That's not unusual for historical Japanese drama, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah sure, team. they want the dagger, and they'll kill shitloads of people for it. <laughs> Including at least 20 lady ninja. Yeah. Kunoichi. Uh- uh, yeah, it was weird that he, it took him cutting her shirt open before he was like, you guys are women ninjas? That guy was stupid. Yeah. Dogon the Invincible. It's a good thing he's invincible because he's a fucking dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Something about that guy pissed me off. I think maybe it was the way those like scenes were cut. It wasn't just that he was murdering women, though. That had a had a hand in it. He just he maybe he was just reveling in it too much. But I, I really wanted that guy to die. I wasn't really. He didn't. Something about him bothered the ever-loving shit out of me. I just thought, well, he's a dude. He's a villain. Yeah, he's definitely that. Uh, yeah, all the uh, ninja that come after Shurinosuke are working under him technically. He's apparently the big boss. Yeah. Which is why he can get stabbed and not die and actually, like, break all of the blades with his muscles or some shit. Yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, I wanted to mention the the uh, the, the crucifixes and shit again. Like, the mm-hmm. strange... I remember why there's an episode of Samurai Champloo where they... They, like, encounter a cult, and it turns out, like, they're just, like, zealous Christians or something. Yeah, um... But I remember at the time... Spoilers, I guess. Um, I'm pretty sure the Sunflower Samurai is actually tied to a group of Christians in that story. Well, anyway, I remember at the time, uh, I was mildly offended. I think I was, like sort of maybe around the very beginning of or somewhere around the time when I was discovering that I didn't believe in God and wasn't religious mm-hmm. but uh, this was probably earlier on where I was I, I don't know something about it like bugged me yeah was, they were just like insinuating that it was a horrible thing well yeah well that's the thing is around this point in Japanese history, one of the things a lot of the uh, people aligned under the shogunate were doing were enforcing an isolationist mentality, like any uh, trading or dealings with foreigners was supposed to be punished. It wasn't, necessarily. It's kind of like when you read Tokyo Vice and they're like, okay, the Japanese have these things they're supposed to do with the Yakuza, Japanese cops, I should say. But uh, how and when they enforce it is wholly arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, what I've read, it seems like uh, foreign trading was handled in the same manner, just when they felt like it, when they thought it or decided it was important. And uh, one of the aspects of that was uh, condemning the uh, 
worship of any religion that wasn't Japanese in origin or maybe just Asian in origin because there was a lot of Buddhists. Yeah. And they didn't seem to be tripping on Buddhism. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like like uh, Christianity, Christianity and Catholicism was supposed to be illegal, outlawed. And just in, I guess, in places, specifically, like the reason why the Shimabara Rebellion, I'm not sure if it was that I closed the window, but the reason why that happened is on top of all the uh, taxing and overworking, they were persecuting Catholicism as a means of whoever was the leading figure in those lands trying to, like, ingratiate himself with the shogunate, the leading shogunate. He's basically trying to show off like a dick. People got pissed. Yeah, because of that, um, in a similar way that they like to depict uh, Nobunaga as like a demon, they will sometimes like to depict uh, Shiro and people associated with Christianity at that time as like monstrous or like having devil powers. Even the, was it Nimuri Nimuri Koshiro, a character who's like the basis for uh, Shironosuke, uh, walks around with like a huge beef towards Christianity because the idea behind his character is that he was uh, conceived during a black mass and is a uh, part foreign, nebulously foreign. And I don't know. I tried like. What's a black mass? Uh, I think a black mask in uh, modern context is actually like some Satanist shit. Uh, I was trying to get uh, an understanding of what they meant by Black Mass in the context of the story, but it's it's damn near impossible. And Nimuri Kyoshiro, it's it's like there's like a whole it it's impossible to get like a straightforward explanation as to what the fuck is going on with that goddamn character. It's like here, watch this whole goddamn series made in the '80s, or watch all these goddamn movies that aren't available to you unless you do a whole lot of torrenting or importing and so I couldn't get an idea as to whether or not his issue with uh, Christianity and Catholicism was due to a bunch of like evil ass people using it for their own ends or the Japanese trying to like say some fucked up shit about Catholicism and Western religion uh yeah <laughs> sorry that was a bit of a tangent uh, suffice to say that they still kind of do that even with like modern depictions of this shit they don't always um, Samurai Showdown the video game about samurais fighting and shit features uh, Amakusa Shiro as a villain however he's supposed to be like pissed off and dejected and like his doing the evil shit is due to him, like, woefully rejecting Christianity so he can get dark power and kill people. And then other plot lines factor in where he splits in the two, the part of him that is Catholic and the part of him that's just evil. And the point is, is it can vary from story to story how they depict this. Some people just don't give a fuck and treat the Western religion as a plot device. And others are like, okay... It's a thing. I don't necessarily hate it. I don't care either way, but I won't vilify it for lulls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Stuff like that. I don't I don't, I don't think it would bother me. 
anymore. I, I, as much. I don't know. I guess it is kind of disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's kind of it. It's not necessarily like you can't like mess with this stuff in regards to plot related shit. The problem is, in the case with the Japanese, I don't. I can't always tell where they're coming from. Kind of the reason why people got really, uh, really uneasy about RE5. Yeah, that was kind of just happenstance. Where it's like maybe they don't know or maybe they don't yeah. give a fuck. Probably both. I mean, yeah. They, they're like, well, let's set it in Africa. But then. <laughs> <laughs> All those natives that we mowed down with their fucking shields and spears. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just that. It's just there's like. Then you gotta get get into the history of depictions of black people in film and like how long we had to go before we weren't like just the noble savage mm-hmm. or the driver. Well, I mean, you had to you had to work up to the driver is the sad part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is so. This is great. Like round table of comedians once and Paul Mooney was like Mooney. he was like he's like white people are just wrong with that whole monkey shit. He's <laughs> like because if you look at a monkey, a monkey has straight hair. <laughs> now what does that tell you? <laughs> It's funny. What was it that uh, documentary Chris Rock did on uh, hair? There was like the one instance of Paul Mooney in that, and he's wearing this big old afro wig, and he's like, when black hair is relaxed, white people are relaxed. (laughs) When black hair is nappy, white people ain't happy. (laughs) That's funny. What? Chris Rock did a documentary about hair? About little black hair. The, the whole industry in regards to that. Huh. Weaves and all that shit and how, like, uh, black people's uneasiness about having nappy hair and all that shit creates a industry. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. I kind of... It weirds me out when I see, like, black girls with really straight hair mm-hmm. all done up, like, like white people. Yeah, because that was a process. Yeah. I've seen it. That's a whole day of your life. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really a fan of that look. And uh, maintenance, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my sister went through that. She's kind of. She's kind of going in the opposite direction now. That's cool. Um, yeah, that, that that tangent went pretty far away from what this anime is. Yeah. Wow. What did uh, you think of the music in this? I actually liked it. I like I it mean, too. There's it's, there's it's really just a handful of songs. It's but very they, like eighties John Carpenter. Yeah, but they they do a good job of invoking a mood. 
Yeah, I guess that's what I appreciate about this when I compare it to like where the samurai or like uh, samurai fiction like those have a mood in this setting and it's mm-hmm. kind of happy. Yeah. This is like the same thing, but it has a mood of like sinisterness. Yeah, dark, like, very much like death. Like eighties horror. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe maybe the whole idea of like. Which this is made it, in two thousand. No, it was released on DVD in 2000. Okay. It was released in the States, I found out, in 98. Mm. Not just in the States, but in Europe as well. It originally came out in Japan in 1990. Uh. So it actually predates uh, Ninja Scroll. Yeah, that makes more sense then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they like... I, well... I think I know why. Basically, this came out at the beginning of that uh, period where there was another anime boom out here, and they were just releasing anything they could get their goddamn hands on. Yeah. And I guess it was just, like, bad timing. Like, had this come out in the early 90s, I think it would have received a lot less hate. Yeah, it's very different than... The stuff that was coming out in 2000. Yeah, definitely. This is a very 80s anime. Because it seems like in a lot of the reviews I read, because I had to go into reviews to find information for this, um, the most common uh, criticism was people saying it was uh, Ninja Scroll sans anything that makes Ninja Scroll good. Which is not fair, considering this predates Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll actually... I, I tried to say likely and actually at the same time, but likely pulled from this. When did Ninja Scroll come out? I want to say 93. Not 100%, but um, very similar in that it featured a uh, pulp noir main character. I thought that was an 80s anime. Ninja Scroll? Yeah. Uh, let me double check it, but I'm pretty sure it was early 90s. Uh, I, mean, I have no idea. You're probably right. Just for the look. Well, yeah, um, definitely influenced by 80s anime. Uh, Kawajiri kind of like took hold in the 80s in Japan, and a lot of his stuff came out a little later. Um, Late 80s, early 90s is when uh, Yoshiaki Kawajiri really uh, established himself, both in Japan and in the States. Yeah, Ninja Scroll was uh, 93 in Japan and 95 in the U.S. Hold on. Yeah, 95 in the U.S. And uh, I feel like Kawajiri, I don't know if he ever worked directly with the uh, director of this, uh, Osamu Dezaki. Uh, Mike, you probably remember Osamu Dezaki as the guy who directed Gogo 13. Which mm. is like, uh, yeah, that thing we did the uh, um, commentary of. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, a lot of his um, charm and touches aren't apparent here. But I feel like he's... If he's not a influence on Kawajiri, which I highly doubt, he's definitely enough of a contemporary that he still had to, like, borrow or be inspired by him. Because they both pull from uh, traditional cinematic elements as well as Western elements, which is why I like both of them. Which is why I feel pretty sure that uh, Ninja Scroll is at least somewhat influenced by this anime. Yeah. Also, uh, 
both clearly inspired by Makai Tensho. I want to say the main character of Makai Tensho is a uh, Jubei Yagyu historical figure and folk hero as well. Maybe the only documented historical ninja in Japanese lore. Uh, so I was probably thinking of Hitori Hanzo here. So, uh, yeah, I'm dumb. Jubei is the uh, protagonist of Makai Tensho, and they're, it's not necessarily the same Jubei in Ninja Scroll, but it's a Jubei doing the same shit. Yeah. And he's clearly like, inspired by the historical figure. I feel like I've heard of this ninja. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think I remember seeing Jack Palance on, like, Ripley's Believe It or Not talk about some ninja. Mm-hmm. Who would sneak around during the daytime, too. Yeah, he'd just, like, hide out, pretend to be, like, a farmer or some shit. Yeah. Well, this guy... I remember there was, like, a reenactment. Mm-hmm. This guy wore, like, a... a very light tan ninja suit. Ah, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Um, think about things I haven't covered yet. Oh, yeah, the, uh guy who wrote the screenplay for this anime is also the guy who wrote the novels it was based on. Mm. And that seemed to work against this anime. Because <laughs> it's just like a whole lot of scattershot shit of stuff that, um... Which, I guess if you look at it in the perspective of someone writing a novel is actually pretty well done in the sense that it creates a lot of points of interest for future reading. But in regards to a standalone anime, just creates a whole lot of confusion, especially yeah. when you're not going to get answers to those questions that are created. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like Katsuhiro Otomo did the same thing when he when he wrote the Akira movie. Mm-hmm. It's like here's a few things from different parts, and we're going to put them together, and it doesn't make sense, but it's fine. Just make yeah. it. It's like what, like what, four huge ass graphic novels worth of stuff compressed in the two hours. I think it's more like twenty plus. Damn. Damn. <laughs> it's Good like really Christ. Long. I didn't know the exact number, but it's it's like a long. It's a lot. Uh. Uh, six volumes, and I know those volumes are fucking huge. They're chunky. Yeah, they are beefy. Uh, it's like he made a big commercial for his manga. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, that's what a lot of uh, OVAs were. A lot of them were just promotional materials, promotional materials for manga, and I guess in some cases, such as this novels. And you know, they're fine in Japan, where you can access the things that they are based on. But in the states, where we have Especially in regards to pre-internet stuff. No knowledge of what these things are based on and no means of accessing them, let alone translating them and figuring out what's actually going on in them. It's just kind of infuriating. Yeah, I feel like that's a model that we've never done here. Mm -hmm. the, I feel like the, the only thing I could think of that's similar is like making uh, toy lines based on a show or making a show based off of a toy line. Yeah, it was usually the latter. It was usually cartoons based on toy lines. 
with like no real I won't say no real storyline, but no real depth of story until the cartoon came out. Just characters and motivations. Yeah. But I feel like that's actually kind of interesting. Like it might be kind of cool to be like into a series of books and then be able to see like, oh, here's a peek at what that world looks like in motion and what these Mm -hmm. characters actually look like and talk like. Yeah. And then kind of just be able to have that to reference while you read while you're reading more yeah yeah like i do that you ever read a read a book based off or or like see a movie first and then read the book um it's not quite the same thing but the first thing that comes to mind is I uh, read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep after watching Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did have that Harrison Ford image of Decker as Decker when I was reading the book. Albeit this is a somewhat different Decker. It feels kind of like if you read An- Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, then it feels like a prequel to Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. I should probably read that. It's pretty good. He uh, Decker in that in that book is a android murdering machine. <laughs> like like you can see why he's so like grizzled and worn out in Blade Runner. If you treat yeah. that book as a prequel, we need you, Deck. We need the old Blade Runner magic. Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you consider the book the prequel, then that Blade Runner magic line actually makes makes sense. That's pretty cool. I should yeah. That. I think I. I know I read the book, The Road, before. I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. But I know. I was reading it at a library, and then I had to return it, and then I got it. My uncle got it for me for Christmas, and I finished it. Uh, but the cover has a picture of Vigo. Mm-hmm. who plays the protagonist of the book mm-hmm. the man and then Cody Schmidt-Fee is the boy uh, so I think sometimes I would just picture Vigo I mm-hmm. kind of remember at certain points trying not to mm-hmm. but I, he, I think he was in my head most of the time uh, I see um, when I but, saw the movie I was kind of I thought the book was better I see um, in the case of watching the movie before, I actually saw both uh, film. I don't know if there's more than two, but like the 70s and uh, I don't know if it was teens or aughts uh, versions of The Great Gatsby mm. before actually reading the book. And uh, I definitely had the uh, latter version in my head when I was reading the book. Hmm. I feel like they're both in somewhat different ways and different in the sense that they reflect the time periods they were created in. Uh, Accurate and unique, but also faithful to the book. Like, I'd recommend that to anyone. It's an enjoyable experience to sort of, like, take in all of it and reflect 
Yeah, I've never read it or seen any of the movies. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald is a really good author, and the movies are both very well done. Yeah, I remember I wanted to see the Boss Lerman movie when it came out, but I didn't get around to it. Yeah. Between that and Romeo and Juliet, I love Boss Lerman. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet is so good. It's so good. Yeah. We need to watch that on my show. Mm hmm. Damn straight we do. We should watch anything for my show. Yeah, we're kind of overdue. <laughs> yeah. Not to be a dick. I just like, I like, um, yeah. oh, uh, Noelle listened to an episode recently. She was listening <laughs> to the Captain America and she said she really liked it. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also, we, uh, there's obviously a voice missing and things are kind of shifting around and so my priorities are shifting with it. Yeah, that's so. that's true. We miss you, Joe. Yeah. Um, I think I've covered most of the stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, one minor thing. I don't know if it's minor or not, but a term that came up that really uh, helps to bring everything together, uh, Jidai Geki, which is... Uh, the term for period films in Japan. Uh, this uh, anime is very much like period film the anime. <laughs> if you uh, watch movies like that with any regularity, this anime might make a bit more sense to you. I think that's what I was picking up on. Mm -hmm. That's it's probably like, why you had a much easier time with it than yeah. uh, anime fans who don't really get into yeah, anything right. else just felt kind of uh, familiar mm -hmm. a little bit made me really I really want to watch uh, Samurai Fiction again and I really want to play Way of the Samurai it's weird I kind of kind of predicted this in that I was like a few like a month maybe less than a month maybe a few weeks back predicting that I'd like have a, like a very Japanesey phase culminating in me wanting to play and actually playing uh, Samurai Showdown. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, this is this is a very Japanese, Japanese anime, and if I didn't say it already, you're gonna benefit from watching the sub over the dub. The dub's not bad, but, uh... The dub... Well, screws up one plot element... <laughs> Namely, uh, implicating that the princess has lesbo sex. Yeah, you talked and, about that. Yeah. And tries to excise other minor plot elements to reduce the amount of dangling threads, which, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter if you know what you're getting into. Um, one thing, first things to mention are the influences, which are a couple of pieces of historical fiction. The first I mentioned before... Uh, Makai Tensho, which takes the uh, Shimabara Rebellion and does a lot of crazy shit with it. The other is a uh, story called Nimuri Kenshiro. The character Nimuri Kenshiro is more or less the basis for um, Kiyoshiro, not Kenshiro. I meant uh, Nimuri Kiyoshiro here. Uh, I must have had more alcohol in me than I thought. Shirinosuke. 
And the third, which is where a lot of the crazy ninja shit comes from, is uh, Koga Ninja Scrolls. And there are animes, a couple of animes based on Makai Tensho and Koga Ninja Scrolls. The big one for Koga Ninja Scrolls is called Basilisk. In the case of Makai Tensho, there's two live-action films and one anime. However, I don't recommend that anime because it's like... It's hentai. <laughs> it's basically hentai, and it's the bad kind of hentai. It's the creepy, rapey, super sadistic hentai. Uh, I'd say watch the live-action films rather than the anime, or watch Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll is based on Makai Tensho a lot, a lot more loosely, but I feel like it gets a lot of the better elements without like, reveling in the bad stuff. There's still some bad stuff in there, because I think Kawajiri has some women issues. But it's tolerable in comparison to, uh... the direct adaption of Makai Tensho in anime form called Samurai Resurrection. That's bad. Mm. It's just bad. Um, outside of those things, there's a lot of Nemuri Kenshiro shit. There's, like, a movie serial uh, series from the 80s that's on YouTube. It's kind of slow, but I guess entertaining if you're really into, like, weeaboo bullshit. Uh, again, Basilisk. And then there are at least a couple of movies based on Koga Ninja Scrolls proper. Um, if you like the kind of camp the dub has... Then there's an anime called Vampire Wars. You'll enjoy. Um, and of course, video games. Samurai Showdown, which has a lot of these elements, including uh, Amakusa Shiro as a boss, and then later a protagonist slash antagonist slash anti-hero across the games, the game series, I should say. Samurai Showdown 2 is arguably the best of the series. If you want a, some, a game like it, but more more Jidai Geki, um, Samurai Showdown's a bit more Chambara. Last Blade is another one you want to play. That's a game? Last Blade, yeah. It's I've also made by SNK. What is it's, it? It's a, uh, it's a 2D sword fighting game similar to Samurai Showdown though a bit less animu oh. it's pretty good it's a it, I feel like Last Blade is to Samurai Showdown what King of Fighters is to Street Fighter bit more on finesse and subtlety but still larger than life um, it's funny we kind of like tripped over <laughs> a uh, recommendation in that Metal Gear Solid actually follows a similar formula to a lot of the things I'm recommending. Mm. <laughs> in yeah. that you have this uh, more or less grounded pulp hero facing off against a cavalcade of weird supernaturally empowered entities. <laughs> yeah. A lot of PS1 classics are getting thrown around here. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to bring up Bushido Blade, but more so a game called Soul of the Samurai. 
Ah, yeah, it's probably it's, a really good pick. Yeah, in it's regards uh, to this. very. It's like kind of like proto Onimusha, but yeah. like more along the lines of Resident Evil, like two. Yeah, you know what? It, it's it's in regards to anime. It's probably uh very similar to um something else we watched. Uh, uh, Curse of the Undead Yoma, or yeah. Blood Rain. Yeah, it's got a similar like, it's feudal Japan and there's samurais and ninjas, but there's also demons. Yeah, I feel like in the case of both of those, those are set in uh, a different period, the uh, Sengoku period, the Warring States period, mm. when uh, Nobunaga was kind of like uh, coming to power. And attempting to unite Japan. Mm-hmm. Well, not just attempting, succeeding. Yeah. Um, I think that's all the things I was going to recommend. And did you have anything else you want to recommend to people? No, I've said it like a dozen times already. Way of the Samurai. You should play yeah. it. It's yeah. really good fun. It's fun. It's a really feel-good game. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Sword plays really fun and cool. Yeah. It's very it's funky. Simple but effective. Yeah. And a film called Samurai Fiction, I said a few times. Yeah. That's basically Way of the Samurai, the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's very funky. Very yeah. fun. It's a black-and-white film that was... Uh, made like in probably like 99 by like MTV Japan as a TV movie I think yeah but uh, it's just great it's so charming and it's got a uh, Hote Tomoyasu mm-hmm. if any of you weeaboos know who that guy is he's mm-hmm. a Japanese musician most famous in the west as having written Battle Without Honor or Humanity which is a song Uh from Kill Bill that's also in the Kill Bill trailers. It's also the name of another movie that I think inspired um, uh, Tarantino a great deal. In, uh, I guess, the first... I don't know what you'd call it, but like... Uh, not adaption, but like... Um, Tarantino had some kind of thing going where he was, like, grabbing foreign films and licensing them out here. Yeah. And the first instance of Sonatine was him. And if you go into, like, the commentary track for that, he'll talk about uh, the movie that the title comes from, which is, like, Battles Without Honor of Humanity is, like... the, The term... Without honor or humanity is supposed to be the stand-in for a Japanese term called jingi, I think. Which is kind of like a very... I think it's like a very basic form of like acknowledging the importance of like human life. Hmm. Wait, what movie did you say that was on a commentary for that he said that? Uh, it was it was Sonatine. Is it... You did a commentary on Sonatine? Not really, not really a commentary, but it was like a prologue and epilogue bit. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen those. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you were there when I watched it. Yeah. 
I wonder if that's on. That should be on my copy. Probably. DVD, but I, I never watch it. Yeah. If you want to hear people funnier than me talk about this anime, uh, Fast Karate for the Gentleman did an episode on this. Uh, anime World Order did an episode on this. And uh, the uh, video review series Anime Abandoned did an episode on this, I think. Uh, anything you got to say to the audience before we call it? Uh, no. No. Eat my balls. D- damn. Well, if any of you wants to take him up on that uh, <laughs> offer, you can find him at Hyper Nineties at t- at Hyper Nineties on Twitter. Just so remember that you spell out the nineties. Yeah, I think it comes up either way because my username is. Uh, my name is it spelt out, uh, but the username is with the numbers. I think. I see. Oh, there you go. <sighs> if you happen to want some balls. So yeah, the Gmail is OldTakuConnection. I'll uh, make it a habit of plugging that more often. So yeah. So hopefully you guys were able to come up with something nice to say about interior design and decoration. Also just let me know you're there. It doesn't have to just be for that. You can talk to me about anything. Just say hi. Please? Okay, that's enough joke. I'm probably beating that joke to death. If the comments come, they come, and if they don't, what can I do? Uh, well, speaking of where to place those comments, outside of the Gmail I mentioned, Oltaku Connection, there is my Twitter, at Oltaku Connect. There is HeyListen Radio, uh, SoundCloud.com slash HeyListen Radio, Facebook.com slash HeyListen Radio, at HeyListen Radio on Twitter. Our website's currently down, but we are working to get it back up. Um, oh yeah, my co-host, Joe, is kind of on sabbatical. Excuse me, on some sort of sabbatical. And, uh, if you want to leave a message for him, he's at the... He's at... Oh my god. He's at NAGP Returns. Alright. Now, Mike who isn't on sabbatical and might be answering you at NAGP Returns, is supposed to be at Hyper90s. You spell out 90s. And uh, Joe's podcast is uh, not another gaming podcast, Resurrection. Uh, not another gaming podcast again, or NAGP again, or whatever. I think I screwed both of those up. NAGP Resurrection, not another gaming podcast again. There we go. We like really long names here. And Mike's show is Hyper 90 Zeitgeist Breakdown. Because again, we like really long names here for some reason. Anyhow, I think that's uh, all I got. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night, people.
You know who I liked that didn't get enough play in this? Mm. Bug guy. On the one hand, he's just like unabashedly groping her. On the other hand, he's doing it while she's trying to kill him. Yeah, it's just a bad time all around. Basilisk, one through four. Four.